Before we get to the show, Corey and I wanted to address the tragic event that happened at UVA this past weekend. Uh, Lavelle Davis, Devin Chandler, Deshaun Perry lost their lives in a shooting, and Mike Hollins is currently in critical condition fighting for his life. It's a sad day when there's a loss of life that wasn't from natural causes. The value of life is something that no one can put a price on, and it's frankly not talked about enough. We live in a world where people come from different cultures, morals, and traditions. The value of life is not one that is derived from our ability to exist physically, but to exist in human experiences. To take away someone's or your own ability to experience emotions, make choices, make mistakes, have dreams, aspirations, and accomplish goals is a tragedy. If you're having thoughts of taking away someone's loved one, please seek help. Taking away a life should never be an answer. Keep your families, keep the families and loved ones of Lavelle Davis, Devin Chandler, Deshaun Perry, Mike Hollins, and your thoughts and prayers. Uh, and f- there's also some GoFundMe's for the Davis family. And at this time, I, I currently don't know if there's a GoFundMe for Perry or Chandler. Um, please join Corey and I for a moment of silence. Welcome to Back to Devi. I'm Mike, and this is Corey. Our episodes are released at inconsistent times. Uh, so I'm going to take a guess here. It's Wednesday at 12.37 Eastern Time, and I hope you're enjoying your lunch. On today's show, we'll be going over the news, some reactions, and we'll be talking just honestly some, some random questions and topics. I think Corey got a little jealous that me and Austin had, a, had an open discussion a couple weeks ago, so <laughs> he just wants to kick it real light this week, too. So, Corey, take away with the news. Yeah, and it's a pretty light news week overall as well. There's not a whole lot going on. Um, but if we head over to Kansas State, quarterback Adrian Martinez will be out this week, which means that we will be getting another week of Will Howard at quarterback. And uh, if anybody hasn't watched him to this point, I definitely recommend getting some eyes on him because he's done some nice things over the last uh, two games, a two-game stretch where he's been playing for Martinez a little bit. And he's definitely starting to get some attention in Debbie circles. Um, heading over to Clemson, uh, wide receiver Bo Collins, a guy that we talked about a little bit last uh, last episode. Uh, he's finally back at practice. Um, eager to see if maybe he can recoup some of that value we were talking about down the stretch here. Um, and two 2023 running backs uh, that improved their draft stock dramatically this year in Texas A&M uh, running back Devonta Chain and Illinois running back Chase Brown. Both suffered injuries this past weekend. Uh, hopefully those are things that don't linger into this draft season. Um, but that about wraps up the news for this week. Make sure you guys are keeping it locked on the C2C podcast and YouTube channels for everything you need to know leading up to week 12. All right, let's hop into our Decorian. We're going back in time because we kind of missed somebody last week. We're going to talk about Joseph Griffin Jr. at Boston College. And it's honestly like, it's honestly the first time I felt like we forgot to talk about somebody. Um, so this guy from Boston College, he's got a great size. He's like six foot four, two hundred. Um, he's not a year one zero. He's a very back end four star prospect. Great size. Um, man, he looks good. I think like a five for one hundred and two and two touchdowns against Duke. I mean, it's Duke, sure, but he's got four, not four. Oh my gosh, two hundred receiving yards uh, for like a three week span there. Uh, plus, he's a red zone target. Uh, this is kind of funny to me because I missed out on Colby Young. Like you're the one that had to break the news to me about Colby Young's <laughs> existence for his like his opening game, and and like I I pay attention to, to Miami. I really do. Mm-hmm. And now 
you're the one that didn't break the Boston College news to me, and you're the one that uh, like paid attention to Phil Jerkovich and Zay Flowers. I don't want, I don't want to be known as the Boston College guy. I don't want to be known as that. <laughs> I'm known as the Miami guy, dude. That thing That's the furthest thing I want to be known as. But um, but yeah, I did go and watch a little bit of Joseph Griffin as well this past uh, this past week. Tried to watch him a little bit closely, and this is another big guy. I, I've noticed doing some shows with you over over uh, this past little while that you definitely like your height and and your weight in your uh, wide receivers. Um, yep. Yep. He, he was, uh, like you said, high five star or uh, not a high four star uh, guy, but decent power five interest guys like Virginia, Notre Dame, Arizona were all interested in him before he ultimately ended up at BC. Um, like you were kind of saying, he was pretty quiet for the first half of the season. He's really started to turn on these past four weeks. Um, kind of coincided with BC uh, true freshman quarterback Emmett Moorhead also getting to play with Phil Jerkovic going down. So they've shown some call- some solid chemistry over the last two weeks. Probably bodes well for his future there as well. Um, like you were saying over the last four weeks as well, I wrote down here, 13 catches, 208 yards and three touchdowns, um, including that five catch 108 yard and three and two touchdown game against Duke. Um, I did go back and watch that game specifically did have some nice moments, um, especially some sideline awareness yeah. stuff, ball, ball tracking, uh, made that, that nice adjustment in the end zone in that, uh, in the, on that second touchdown of the day. But, um, but personally, just from my point of view, I did notice some things I didn't like about him as much. Um, I did want to see him attack the ball more. Um, even like that one on the sideline we were talking about, he also had this first touchdown. He's letting the ball get into his body a lot. You know, for a guy that size, I want to see a little bit more extension outside the body, maybe a little bit more uh, jumping up in the air, attacking it at, at its highest point, not letting it get into him so much. And he just also didn't seem very explosive off the line, kind of a build up speed guy. Um, not a lot of separation I was seeing out there as well. So, you know, it kind of maybe strikes me as your bigger body possession guy on the outside. Like, like, you know, I, I thought Colby Young probably had a little bit more, more juice to him, a little bit more movement to him. But so I kind of left feeling a little bit underwhelmed. I kind of wanted to get your take on that. I actually thought he was better at separating the numbers would say like, so he's got nine, uh, can, he's got 11 contested targets and nine catches, which is kind of an insane uh, rate for a jump ball. But like, I, I thought these some of these balls were underthrown. Like he had to come back to them. Um, but I thought he like gave his body, like uh, the quarterback, some nice like fades. Like you know, like it's clearly yeah. just got to overthrow a little bit. And he'll make the adjustments himself. Um, so I, I think it's a little bit of chemistry with the quarterback there. Um, but I'm not saying he's a separator. I just I just thought the quarterback put him in jump ball situations that didn't always need to be necessary. Um, yeah, but... yeah it, it, it was Duke as well too and I, I do have to mm-hmm. I ha, I admittedly didn't watch the rest of this these past four weeks I kind of just focused on that game so maybe there's a little bit more to his game other than that but just from that one that was kind of the picture I got from him anyways yeah so I, I'm not I'm not putting a stamp on him but he's definitely a deep shot but like it's like a D shot that like he's a stash I want like if, if I miss yeah. out on him I'm probably gonna be like man this is a bummer I kind of wanted him on the back of my roster Whereas like some guys we talk about, I'm like, Hey, whatever, whatever happens, happens. Yeah. But, but this is, and this, yeah. and, and this kind of looks good too, because you're, you're probably looking at, I don't know what the hell's going to happen with Jerkovic now. I think he still has a year of eligibility left, so he might stay again. Um, but if he doesn't, and you're looking at more head takes over and he's already had a connection with this guy, this guy kind of fits your prototypical outside build guy. Zay flowers is going to be gone. So you could be looking at kind of like a breakout candidate here in 2023. Yeah, this could be a nice change of the guard here. So, which is another appealing thing. You don't have to worry about opportunity here. So, gotta love that. And it's not like he can get over recruited either. I mean, it's Boston College. I mean, so it's it, the over recruitment. It's 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 pretty rare. It has to be some sort of high end transfer coming in. Which we're coming up on the transfer portal, so I'm pretty excited to talk about that stuff. Yeah. 
All right, let's get to our next reaction here. Uh, Quinn Ewers, man. So um, just putting it plainly, he looked uh, pretty terrible. And uh, there's a lot of guys out there. Uh, you know how people manipulate staffs on Twitter. Like they'll put up like the last like two games that are terrible. And then they'll put up a guy that was having a good streak. You know what I'm saying? And then mm-hmm. I've been seeing a lot of that with uh, Anthony Richardson and Quinn Ewers. And I do actually think Anthony Richardson is playing better. But I think it's unfair to be like, yeah, Quinn sucks. And also, so anyway, so Quinn's been terrible. And that's just been straight up. And we've been burned by QBs before, uh, aka a DJU and Spencer Rattler. Uh, so, are you are you concerned here that the prince that was promised is going to be a broken promise? Uh, I think I'm a little bit less concerned than what some people out there seem to be kind of smashing the panic button right now. Um, You know, you even alluded to DJU and Spencer Rattler and stuff like that. And, you know, even DJU is kind of like the mechanical thing, but with Ewers, like, I think his mechanics look fine. I think there's a lot of things that he's doing right. I mean, it definitely wasn't the greatest showing for Ewers. Um, You know, I've started to notice a few things he kind of has has issues with. It's it's mainly little things um, that really take time to get get right. Things like things like timing, occasionally holding on to the ball too long, not pulling the trigger fast enough or, or throwing that deep strike a little bit too early you know and I also think he's working on things like touch you know he's kind of learning how to take off a little bit on the ball or put a little bit more on the ball you know he's kind of overthrowing guys and sometimes he's letting that thing hang a little bit too long in the air you know he's leaving it up there for DBs to make a play on it which happened a couple times in this game uh, when he was trying to float it over a couple DBs and he missed worthy on a couple of those multiple deep shots that that could have been completed for touchdowns um, you know throwing the ball a little bit too early or just overthrowing and so I think he's learning that um I but again on those things I did see him going through progressions and I saw him making the right reads on those plays as well which is which is something that I did like to see as well and I, from my take on this game like I rewatched it even today and he really didn't get much help from his team at all like I mean Worthy had one of his worst games I thought of this year you know and I looked it up on PFF he only got credited with one drop but I saw a ball go right through his hands right before the half. Um, he also flat out dropped a ball on third and down on a crosser in the second half. Like he he should have had like three drops in this game. Um, JT Sanders had a few crucial drops. Even Billingsley got in on a drop action. Um, this game was really battled up front with with how strong the, the defensive lines were. I mean, Bijan had like his worst game in what, like his whole career? 29 yards on 12 carries, no catches. So there was no run game to take pressure off of him. Um, and I know that Ewers has a portion of the blame here as well, but I just wanted to point out that collectively this was like a team-sized letdown from texas and everybody kind of played their part in this game to me yeah uh death taxes and billingsley dropping footballs i mean <laughs> that stuff just happens yeah. <laughs> um, I, the only thing i had to add because I, I i agree with everything you just said there uh just giving some offseason narrative here this is a new program we went from osu to uh texas and not only that he split reps with sam heward the whole not sam heward uh is it sam? who is it oh god why is it split? Oh. it's because it's hudson card Yes, thank you. Hudson Card. Uh, they split carries. I mean, they split they split reps. So it's not like it's not like he was given a lot of uh, ability to succeed in the offseason here. I'm not like out here. Uh, but I will be saying this. If I can trade him for Caleb Williams or Drake May, I do that in a heartbeat straight up. But uh, besides that, I'm not I'm not panicking. So. All right, let's go on to our next one here. Uh, Malachi Fields. He was a huge sleeper of mine in the offseason. I was very excited to see him. I was um. Very big on him. He's a non-zero. He's a three-star athlete. He is six foot four, two fifteen. Uh, UVA wide receiver. This past week, uh, you had due to injuries, you had a lot of their receiver core was out with injuries, and it was also his game back from a foot injury. He was gone for a handful of months. I can't remember how long it was, but it was definitely a handful of months. 
Um, he looked great coming back. Five for 581 and one. I don't know if I can say great, but he looked good. Uh, he looked good. He, he kind of took that that second year step you want to see. Um, Wicks is got his invite to the senior bowl. Maybe he sits the rest of the season with injury and just says, hey, I'm just going to focus on the draft and hands off the to torso Malachi Fields. That's like probably the best case scenario for Fields. But I I'm just excited about this guy. He's got great size, great athletics. Um, I'm not exactly sure on what type of player he is. I hope he's not just a jump ball guy, kind of like how we're talking about Joseph Griffin here. Um, but I love the size, and I I hope uh, we get to see some development here. But, I, man, I just really don't like – I just feel so bad for the UVA program going from Joseph and I from last year to the program they have this year, from like a top like 10 offense to like almost what yeah. feels like a bottom 10 offense. It's just been like – it's just been terrible. But anyway – did you watch him at all i did i did yeah and and like you were saying like armstrong's been uh brandon armstrong the quarterback there's been totally disappointing for my c2c teams this year unfortunately but yeah that offense just doesn't inspire a lot of confidence right now but but like but um back to malachi fields here i mean i even wrote here again go figure another size guy here for (laughs) for mike you're six four two hundred 215 pounds, I believe. So, uh, yeah, he's got that size that you definitely love. And I got to watch in his last game, and I thought he did do some nice things. Um, I came away much more impressed than I did Griffin, uh, which we were talking about earlier. Um, nice nice leaping extension in the second quarter. Um, really nice ex- uh, extension on his second touchdown. Got some deep uh, looks as well. Even drew a nice uh, pass interference in the end zone that should probably should have been another touchdown on that day. Um, uh, the most important thing that I saw that what I didn't see with Griffin that I was upset about was the attacking the ball. I saw the extension outside the body. I saw the adjustments to uh, the opposite side of his body. It was definitely what I wished I saw a little bit more out of Griffin, you know? Um, but I, I, this isn't, it wasn't a guy I was, I was totally um, in on or knew a whole, about, a whole lot about. I knew this was your guy. So I, I didn't even figure I was going to get too much into him. I wanted you to kind of wax poetic about your guy here. Yeah. So I just, I couldn't have watched enough. I mean, he's a year one zero, sure. But like last year, we had 15 targets to go off of, 11 for 179. But this week, this week like he had 19 reps. He had seven targets on 19 reps. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was the man on the field. Uh, he's someone that I think he can be a big slot. Like, I don't know if he's going to be that like ultra athlete to be like one of those big X's on the outside. I don't think he's there. So I'm, I'm looking for him to be more like a big slot guy. But, um, yeah, so it, it's more like I'm just I'm just seeing the size. I'm seeing him be productive, and it's like I don't really have much to go off of here. He's a deep sleeper for me, but like a guy that I feel good about. Like this is the one we talked about pre-show. Like I want to stash my rosters, and I'm going to be upset if I miss out. Yeah, was is he playing a lot of slot? I actually didn't look at his splits. Is he playing slot right now, or is he an outside guy? He's actually outside. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm talking about like yeah. next level though. I think he. Could yeah, like maybe his athleticism slot. will kind of translate better being a bigger slot type guy. Yeah, and, and it just wasn't a lot of yak either. It was just a lot of jump balls, and I, I just—I mean, it's only one game, but I didn't know if that was because of quarterback play or because that's what type of player he is. So I'm a little worried about that. But he was a kind of a catch and fall down type of player. This week. yeah, also, and they got, it's, it's also a foot injury too. So maybe like that's got to be hindering him a little bit being out. Didn't of it. they get killed in this game too? Every so, game feel like they got killed. Yeah. So, oh yeah, yeah. They were down um twenty eight zero in the first quarter from like yeah, two like two sixes. two interceptions right off the bat, yeah, like two big sixes. Yeah, they were down uh, bad. Saw, so it was it's it's definitely hard to get a read off of like this one this one sample size game because of the situation too as well. Maybe I don't know if you got more playing time because of that or not, but I did well, watch I, the game and he was he was getting play right from the start. So I don't think it was a garbage time situation or anything. No, yeah. When I, when I clued in, uh, <laughs> Brandon Armstrong was 
two for six and like for like six yards and i was like that sucks and i saw oh, malachi man. had five of the six yards and i was like all right my guy's in let's go yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah but yeah that was that was sad i i really do just feel bad for how bad that program went they need to go back to joseph and i kiss his feet and like throw a bunch of money at him tell him to come yeah. back <laughs> um yeah but anyway malachi fields please you guys gotta stash him you gotta trade for him get get your gear one zeros off your rods for trade for him because he's got some Debbie upside. He's clearly going to be uh, the future wireless one here for this program. He's definitely the guy from the 2024 class. Uh, going into our next guy here, uh, Michael Allen, a uh, true freshman for NC State. I actually wrote about him in my article as being a potential impact freshman. Uh, he's finally getting a good run on the field. Um, man, I want to say he got like 14 carries. He looked yep. decent. I, I mean, it's it's NC State, so this guy really has no debut value. I'm I'm just gonna say that straight up here. He doesn't have the athleticism to, to be an NFL running back, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but that early production here. So this is more for you, C to Sears, looking for a CFF stash. This is gonna be the guy you want. Um, <laughs> and part of my article, dude, I wrote. I wrote that I thought he was kind of pudgy coming into college. Like he really was. Like he's <laughs> like a little loose around the waist. And I'm like, hey, but that's not a bad thing because he's got that age where he can just work that in the muscle right away. It's, We'll call that bulking season. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I thought he was like, so anyway, uh, he's on the field. Did you uh, have any comment about Michael Allen? Yeah, this, this was a guy where, um, you know, the evaluation in the preseason for, for a lot of us, uh, even at CGC too, I, I think they wrote something along these lines in the, in the freshman guide as well, but kind of a good at, at, good at everything, not great anything type guy. There wasn't really that one like defining trait to him, not no elite speed, no pass catching uh, savant, no, no crazy vision, no nothing like that, you know? Uh, and I'd still say that that evaluation holds some, tr- some truth kind of watching him back uh, this past week as well. And to his credit, he's looked good when he's had opportunity. Um, he had 10 carries versus UConn um, earlier in the season. 66 yards uh five carries versus uh five carries versus wake forest for 36 yards and now 14 carries like you were just talking about versus bc for 77 yards um with uh six missed tackles forced in that game as well uh so he's he's being productive i think that's somewhere around like a 7.0 yards per carry rate as well so um he's getting the job done decent size at 5'9, 200 i just like like you were kind of saying i didn't think he looked overly dynamic in what I was watching you know I even saw him trying to get the edge a few times this past game um kind of failed to get it he was going to tackle before he got there um not someone whose explosion jumps off the tape um so uh it's nice to see him that he's getting some snaps getting some work um he looks pretty good for now like you said I kind of lean more towards a CFF asset um as well but this backfield in general is kind of interesting. Uh, they have just, uh, not Justin, I think, is it Justin Houston? I can't remember. Or Jordan Houston, I think his name is actually. A former Jordan four-star Houston. guy. Yeah, who, who had some athleticism and some intrigue at one point, but um, never really kind of met it. He's had his chance this year. Hasn't really looked like the guy, but there's kind of a sneaky guy here who's kind of my favorite in the backfield. I don't know if you kind of know about him. Um, Demi Sumo. I don't know how to say his last name. So I just call him Demi Sumo all the time. He's a true sophomore there and he's had some splashes throughout the season, man, like pass catching, um, breaking off some big runs, versatile weapon. So kind of excels at both facets of the game. Good size, man, six foot, 210 pounds, big play guy. So, you know, he's somebody I'm keeping kind of on my watch list as well, along with Michael Allen, but definitely some, some interesting pieces here in what's kind of become a run heavy offense as well. Interesting, yeah. I have to check him out. Um, I will say this though, he was in the freshman guard. I think he was like a tier five running back. But yeah, yeah, they had him. I, I joked, I joked with the guys because like I flipped over. Here's someone I was looking at preseason, like before he even got the Debbie or the uh, freshman guide. Uh, Felix, uh, 
Felix wrote like a two-liner on him and called it a day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one of those one of those quick Felix profiles where they were telling him that yeah, deadline's yeah. coming, you got to hurry up. You just you can tell he was like one of the last names to write about. No one wanted to write about him. And yeah, he, they just threw a two-liner on him. So it's anyway, kind of, uh, it's kind of just like the the picture of him though, right? He's kind of uninspiring a little bit, like watching him, but he's getting the job done. So when we can yeah, yeah, I mean he's there, but it's like will he ever be dynamic enough to like put in my lineups and yeah. But uh, the next player we want to talk about here, uh, wide receiver from Louisville. He's a JUCO, not JUCO. Oh my gosh, a G five transfer. Uh, we're gonna talk about Tyler Hudson. We haven't talked about him a lot. I do know that David over at Camp Scan, he actually was kind of in on him. Uh, I remember he released his um, projections for draft capital, and he gave he gave the grade of around three to round six on Tyler Hudson, which I thought was interesting. I was like, that's a pretty wide net. You got to narrow that yeah. down. <laughs> but um, he's been doing really well lately. Uh, the last five games, we got like three over 100-yard games. The other two were over 70 yards. He's been very good. Uh, yeah, 101 against Virginia, 71 against Pittsburgh, 77 against Wake, 142 against James Madison, and then 163 against Clemson. And that's what I really want to focus on. 14 targets against Clemson, 11 receptions for 163 yards. So he's been very good this second half of the year i don't know what what he turned on um but he's a guy here that i'm i'm looking to see to get a, a senior bowl invite he's um and coming from coming from g5 he came from central arkansas he was a 1232 yard receiver with eight touchdowns so he's he's very interesting to me and i i just this recent production has really really made me interested his yards per route run too is like 2.78 on the entire year he's uh i gotta get the real number here but i think he's like top five for receiving the acc maybe top three yeah, no, he's an interesting guy too, and I think we'd have to find out how it exactly works for Senior Bowl because he, is, I believe, he is a fourth-year guy, but he's listed as a junior still, so he still got some eligibility left to him. I don't know if he's actually eligible for the Senior Bowl or not. Not quite sure how that works, but, but yeah, I mean, like taking a look back at him as well, somebody that probably deserves a little bit more attention than even I was giving him credit for. You know, I kind of just pictured, I kind of just imagined in my head that this guy was just taking over the Tyler Hale role, and maybe it's just like the same name and stuff like that. But he's definitely getting more volume and doing a little bit more than than Harold did with the role he was there you know he's a big play guy um 15.2 yards per catch with a 12.7 a dot so definitely more of a downfield threat as well um some more good underlying stats here 67 percent catch rate um which you like to see as well only credited with one drop on the entire year as well with all that volume so he's putting together a nice season for himself so um this is kind of a guy that definitely deserves to have a little bit more eyes on him as well and uh somebody that i got to take a look at and uh and get a get a proper evaluation on him this is this is Malik Cunningham doing to him too, which I bet he's yeah. got less than a sixty-eight percent completion rate. So, yeah, yeah. so I just got got be making some plays here for sure. Um, but it, he's just been really it just it, the stats pop on the page from the last five weeks because it just looks really dynamic. He's got seven missed tackles forced to the last five weeks. So, um, yeah, I watched a bit of the Clemson game, but I'm actually going to turn on the tape because I think I actually think this might be a guy we might be interested in for our, our roster on the NFL side. Like I think I think this might be somebody and. Uh, we're a little late to the show here, in my opinion, on this guy. Yeah, let's let's hope that he doesn't run his four point seven five forty that he was credited with in two thousand nineteen as a recruit. So let's hope he's nowhere near that. I just saw that now. Did jump a thirty eight uh, inch vertical, thirty seven point five. If you want to be a little bit sticky about it, four point seven shuttle. So he's got some. It looks like explosion, but that forty is pretty slow. It's. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's almost as fast as. Uh, 
everyone's favorite running back, uh, Kyron Williams from last year. <laughs> hey, 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 and to be honest, T. Higgins ran like a four seven one or something as a recruit too. So sometimes you never know at these times. It's not it's not something to hang your hat on. That's for sure. Some of these yeah, kids don't really even know how to run the forty coming out of high school. All right, so. We're about to get into our, our open discussion. We're just relaxing here. I actually meant to have a cup of bourbon for this, and I'm a little upset that I didn't grab one. But um, we're we're just here to like chill, hang out. And my first question to Corey here, I, I, I'm I the one that dabbles more into analytics than Corey does. I'm pretty confident in that statement. Corey, yep. I feel like, is just a pure film watcher, does not care about the the numbers, the advanced metrics here. I, w- I wouldn't say that I don't care. I like it. I like it to add context and stuff like that. And sometimes it helps yeah. paint the the player of a picture that or the picture of a player that I can't watch fully that I want to. So I do like it, but yeah, I mean, when it comes to like players, I really believe in it's because of the film. All right. So the question here is going to be, are we going through a phase where analytics is going to be less reliable? And the reason why I'm bringing that question up is because, well, we got the extra year of COVID eligibility. So now there can be six year players. We also have the transfer portal, which is like the wild west. There's just no rules. And uh, this really became evident because I was telling Corey, I'm doing this research project. Now, what sucks about research projects is when you find out that they're all for nothing. I mean, like I spent like a couple hours on this thing. I had what was called the Freshman 500 Club. I like thresholds. Uh, I don't really use raw measures for a lot of stuff besides just thresholds. And one of them was true freshman hitting 500 plus receiving yards. From And I only went back, I only went back to 2015 because there was a very clear pattern here and I did not want to waste my time. Uh, there's there's like an average of 10 true freshmen uh, each year getting like uh, over 500 receiving yards and some of them are like these real no names but then you got like 2018 you got Justin Ross with a thousand I'm on Ross and Brown with like 750 we got Jalen Waddle, Rondell Moore, Tamorion Terry, Rashad Bateman, Seth Williams, Romeo Dubs, Trey Turner, Taj Harris like eight of those guys are relevant in the NFL right now uh, and then COVID strikes 2020 and those numbers dropped substantially. So 2020, we saw four guys. We saw Marvin Mims, Keishon Boutte, Jaden Wally, and Jordan Addison. And then it dropped even further in 21 with only Xavier Worthy. And now, of course, we're now in 22. Uh, so far, we only got Ted McMillan and Evan Stewart. So it's become a even more elite group. Um, but I wanted to prove what I considered early breakout, not not the the actual analytical definition because breakout age is usually based off of percentages. I just wanted to do like a a straight up threshold, like 500 receiving yards and just see where it took me. Uh, and it took me nowhere. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to like point out that the, these eligibility and stuff like that, like it's, it's changing the landscape. And so everyone's like R squared and stuff like that. I bet it shifts. I mean, it's very evident too, because I know I'm a big advocate for early declare, but like Jerry Judy, I mean, he hasn't come through yet. Rashad Bateman, he hasn't come through yet. Uh, and it used to be like very easy to be like first round draft capital early declare those guys have a 90% hit rate. If you look, I think if you add like the last two, three years, like obviously those guys careers aren't over. They still have the ability to hit these markers, uh, but we're now we're kind of spoiled with like first, second year breakouts. We're now in like third year and fourth year for some of these guys. I, I think like the hit rate now goes from like 90% to like 70. And if you really just narrow down blast like five years, it's going to be substantially less than like 50%. Uh, I'm really generalizing here, but that's just kind of why I'm bringing this up. So someone that incorporates analytics into my, um, and like my dual analytical grading system at the end of the year, I do like 40% of my grade is based off of analytics. The other 60% is based off of film score. Um, so it's kind of a concern of mine. I think it's a good conversation piece. 
obviously numbers guys are going to be like, well, it's not subjective. It's objective. And you can't argue numbers because there's other numbers. And it's like, yeah, I mean, you're right. But like, I, I mean, I feel like you have to adjust with the times. I understand it's a small sample size, but like you, you gotta like adjust. So I don't know, Corey, you got any thoughts on this? Yeah. Like you said, like things, things kind of like in the, in the more near future could be thrown off kind of by this COVID year about uh, extra eligibility because of the COVID year. Um, you also got, you know, like the transfer part, like you're saying, where older players are given new life. Other players who are in shitty situations are given new life somewhere else that maybe you thought were dead. Um, so it's like, you're going to get m- more opportunities for fourth year guys, more opportunities for fifth year guys. And then even my personal thing here, um, like you're even talking about the way the NFL is viewing a lot of these guys, like the devaluation of running backs in the NFL. You know what I mean? There's more teams less willing to spend high capital on them. So, you know, using a system based on the old facts where guys used to take them a lot more higher can make it like, like makes it tougher to kind of rely on where things are changing nowadays, where the, the, the whole day two premise that we used to look for, it's, it's kind of resulting in later round picks with running backs. Now guys like Damian Pierce, guys like Michael Carter, who are kind of, who have hit or have been useful at least or whatever in the, in that range as well. Um, Tyler of course, Algier. Yeah, Tyler Algier. Algier, Algier, there you go. So, <laughs> uh, of course, we still want the day two. It's still things that we're going to look for. But, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if we see other guys break out of that mold and more and more, like you said, the percentages are going down, the hit rates are going down uh, by those metrics. You know, I mean, um, you know, things like power five uh, attention and hit rates probably won't be going anywhere anytime soon. So you should still be focusing your effort, your efforts there as well. Um, and, and to me with this whole thing, like, if you can put context, enough context into anything, not just because the guy sucked or because whatever this or whatever, you know, if there's injury or COVID or, or, or some kind of situation, or there was, you know, a stockpile of guys in front of them kind of had to, that were good, had to wait his chance. I do. I personally don't mind being a little lenient towards those types. And, and you know, and like, like you said, I'm not really an analytic snob to begin with. So, I mean, th- th- this one's kind of easy for me to kind of, to kind of accept and know that things are going to, that might be different for a couple more years. But I do think, in time, we, we might develop a new line of, of metrics that we might, whether that's including the fourth round for running backs, whether that's including fourth year, but not fifth year or whatever, you know, there's going to be a few things that change along the way, I think. Yeah. And uh, just everyone know that he said analytic snob. He called you guys snobs, by the way. Yeah. Everyone <laughs> know <of> that. <laughs> They're um, all snobs. They know they are. <laughs> <laughs> but uh looking at this year though i mean like Keishon Boutte, like i mean we really haven't seen him be elite since like you know freshman year uh, jsn's been hurt the entire year quinshawn judkins showed up for like i felt like three games and and i mean you know he's not really consistent it's just kind of interesting because it's just like these profiles it's just they're not this like these players have like a lot more power i think okay so you know how felix is an advocate for players sitting out like their final year if they've proven mm-hmm. it like don't get hurt I think players are really doing that. I mean, Zach Evans has been demonstrating that. Zach Evans is like, hey, I'm a little banged up, and Quishon Junkins is good been doing enough, that his so whole career. <laughs> yeah, I know, but like, I feel like that's like becoming uh, more and more acceptable because it's it's um it's definitely been a, a topic. I think debated on like ESPN and NFL Network for sure. It's no longer like loyalty to the team. It's more like loyalty to yourself and just yep. focusing on yourself, and which is like not wrong, but like I want to win. But anyway, but like it's it's. It's interesting because it's just like, I mean, what if they just do that? What if, what if Marvin Harrison just doesn't play? Like, what if he's just like, hey, I'm already, my name's already out there. I'm good. I don't need to show anymore. I already did. I'm not going to get hurt. I'm not going to tear an ACL. I'm going to secure the back. I mean, so it's just, it's interesting because no, I mean, it's, 
Go ahead. No, and I was going to even say, even in that in that sense as well, you got Jamar Chase who sat out a year, went mm-hmm. as the first wide receiver in the draft, and is blowing up the NFL. So that's going to give guys even more reason and more uh, of an example to say, hey, I can sit out a year, and it won't actually be a big deal. Yeah, and like I mentioned, uh, Dontavian Wicks too. I mean, there's like, for, these guys don't need to put their body on the line. They don't have to. It's it's definitely been uh, more power shifted to the players. It's no longer. I think there's less pressure to be like a part of the team. You know, it's, so it's it's kind of a culture shift anyway. But it's it's definitely noted. Like I feel like it's noted. So it's it's the more I get into this man, the more I'm like I should just be fading analytics. I mean, I feel like the film, I'm like, oh, film arch is the elites, you know, and these <laughs> analytic snobs, man. <laughs> They're going to be mad, man. They're going to be mad. <laughs> so I just, yeah, I just wanted to bring that up. It's, it's just like, it just feels like there's a shift and uh, it's very important to adapt. You don't need to stay stiff and be a rock in the middle of the river. Like it's okay to flow with the river. So just wanted to acknowledge that. I keep my eye out for it. I, I like to be adaptive. I don't want to be too stuck in my ways. Um, but Yeah. So you go to move on to our next one. Let's do it, man. All right. We're hopping around here. We're going to hop uh, to, we're going to go back to freshman here. Uh, we are uh, going to be talking about the disappointments so far. Uh, among the remaining 24 seven top 20 wide receivers. I'm just trying to get a, a heat check here on the options that have not hit the year one zero thresholds. Uh, so these are guys who just haven't hit it. They're, they're currently zeros. We are winding down, guys. I mean, we got we got two to four weeks, depending on your team. You know, it's yeah, week what week week twelve and week thirteen, right? What are we just yeah, at? conference championships, then a bowl game if they win. Yeah, the bowl yeah, game, bowl, possibly, and then possibly playoffs uh, if you're lucky enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 possibly playoffs. You know, I think I want to see Marvin Harrison was going to be a zero until his bowl game, and then he blew up. So it's yeah, it's it's uh, we're down to the wire. We have 11 guys who have been year one zeros, uh, technically 12, because we don't count um, Kevin Coleman from going to Jackson State. Uh, mm-hmm. But if we if we exclude him here anyway, it's it's been 11 guys here at the top 20. So I'm just kind of we're just going to go down the list, maybe get like a one two liner just see how we feel about it. So starting off here, I believe it's wide receiver four in the class, and it's going to be Aaron Anderson, the wide receiver for Alabama. I believe he's hurt. I have no idea how badly he was hurt. I just remember the start of the season he was hurt. Yeah, I never I really cared that. about him, man. I just I just thought he was tiny. They had a bunch of slot guys, and I have all the slot guys. He was like ranked four for me. So, yeah, he was kind of. In a, I actually wrote his profile for the Devi profile. Kind of fit like that that typical mold. He was a quick guy. Was fast. Um, I can't remember if he was the guy that played outside, but maybe I, I thought of him more as a slot guy. But either way, um, I do believe he got injured in the in the spring. I'm not sure how long that's carried on. I haven't actually looked to see as well, but he's a guy that's probably going to stay a year one zero. I can't imagine. I know they keep looking for options, but it seems like they found their guys. Um, it even looks like Kendrick Law, another uh, rookie there, gotten a couple. Yeah, more he got some playing season. time. Yeah, so he's there. Isaiah Bond's getting his time. Kobe Prentice is getting his time. Then you still got Brooks and Burton and whoever else. So I I I think he's definitely staying a year one zero. Yep, same here. I'm with you. Uh, next one here. Why don't you take this one away, man? This is uh, Caden Saunders of, of Penn State. Was he like wide receiver eight, wide receiver nine? Yeah, had some, had some good athletics as well. This was a, a guy a lot of people were higher on. Us at the C2C, I think we were a little bit lower on him generally as a group. You know, maybe we a little bit group, low on him. Yeah, maybe a little bit of group didn't yeah. hit us there as well too. Um, you know, and Penn State hasn't really been a crazy passing game as well. Um, Parker Washington's had a little bit more recently. Uh, Tinsley was kind of going off in the beginning of the year. KLS kind of has his, his shots as well. So I don't really think there's any room for this guy. Um, 
uh, another guy that we like, Omari Evans. Has he gotten some Omari time? Evans, yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's been like really inconsistent here. I don't know if he's gonna beat the year one zero. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, I he's like four catches for like thirty three yards and a touchdown, and like two it, it's carries. Just, so it's, it's just like, kind of hard in that in that offense as well. But either way, yeah, like for me here on Caden Saunders, I did I did think he had some intrigue to him because I do kind of like these athletic guys going to Penn State. They seem to, you know, do well with the with these athletic specimens. But I mean, year one zero is probably a lock for him as well. Yeah, they tend to develop some nice route runners. Uh, Amari Evans is a guy that I think I was really eye on on the offseason. I think I brought you on to that side too, though. You I did, yeah. Yeah, into yeah. Him. yeah. So um, he's definitely getting more playing time over Caden Saunders. All right, number three here. I actually I was high on this guy for at least a hot minute, and it's Shaz Preston, another Alabama product here. Um, I was high on him until I really thought about it, and I sat there and I said to myself, this guy – does not really fit the mold of what Alabama creates out there. I thought he was kind of like really good at everything, just not great or elite at anything. And they tend to be a team that takes like these hyper athletes and then mm-hmm. develop them into like route runners. And I don't think he's a hyper athlete and I don't think he's a route runner. So he's just kind of a decent at everything. So uh, he did get some playing time though. I know he did against Mississippi, for example, but I'm not sure if he even has one target on the season yet. So I, I think he's locked into be a zero. Yeah, I mean, similarly, another thing, I don't got to repeat much here. You know, Bama's got their guys that they're rolling with right now. They're going to be going through the playoffs. They're not going to be relying on guys who have barely played uh, in very important games down the stretch here if they want to have a, a chance at breathing at the playoffs here with with two losses now. So, so yeah, year one zero right there, locked in for Shaz Preston. Yeah, for sure. Uh, two snaps, by the way. One against Vanderbilt, one against Mississippi State. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> at least he's active. Right. Hey, at least he's active. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, CJ Williams, the... Hiring and commute for USC. You know, you got to love USC commits. Uh, obviously, that program just turns out NFL talent. I'm talking about like Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, Drake London recently, Amara St. Brown, uh, Marquise Lee, a little deeper name there. Uh, I want to say D.D. Westbrook. No, 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 not D.D. Westbrook. Was he but USC? anyway. Yeah, I don't know. He, may, he might have been USC. Was he? I can't okay. remember now. I was just thinking maybe I'm just thinking about him and Marquise Lee being like Jag teammates because they were on the Jags together. Yeah, they were, yeah. Um, but anyway. So they they send guys to the NFL. They tend to be pretty relevant, minus Marquise Lee and maybe Didi Westbrook if he went there. But um, he was recruited by the last coaching regime, and then Lincoln Riley came over. And then Lincoln Riley, the all season, was talking about how the whole receiving core is kind of disappointing. Didi Westbrook was Oklahoma, by the way. Sorry, I should have looked that up because that was bugging me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah. So anyway, so he he kind of like. Just got the short end of the stick, man. He he came for a coaching staff. The coaching staff was gone. New guy came in, was like, this isn't my guy. So and then he brought in Addison and Mario. And then uh, Todd Washington stepped up. Brendan Rice was brought in as well. So all these transfers came in and kind yeah. of took over the incumbent jobs. Um, yeah. Anyway, so CJ Williams, I think he I think he got a little bit of reps lately, but it's looking like a zero for him. Yeah, and I think he finally actually got on the field. I think it was last week or the week before, something like that. But yeah, this one was actually, this one hurt me a little bit more than probably the common person because I think C2C was actually, this is another guy they were low on. So, hey, if you're listening to us talking right now, we're talking about a lot of guys C2C was low on. So you need to be following along with C2C and what they're saying because clearly they're defining these guys. Hey, we're hitting. We're yeah, hitting. we're hitting. Like, And CJ Williams was a guy that I liked a little bit more than our group as well. I thought he did a lot of nice things um, in route running. Um, I didn't think he was explosive, crazy explosive as well, but he had some nice things in the end zone, some nice um, deception in the end zone in his route. So I thought he was a guy who could possibly get on the field early for a wide receiver score that looked fairly bare at the time. 
<laughs> when he committed yeah, anyways he but now good, he had a good size too six foot two 190 yeah, i thought yeah. he was a little High slower ranking. but a little better technically but yeah i mean these last exactly. two weeks last two weeks he's got five targets for three receptions for 23 yards so uh but on the year he's four for 34 but that's just i mean he's unless addison and mario stay hurt like i oh wait they're back they're back. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, back. they're back already. And I think, and then you've got what's his name too coming next year, uh, Makai Lemon, who is like the number one. I think he's Zach an athlete. Ryan Branch is, and Zach yeah. Branch as well. Or, or, sorry. One. Yeah, yeah. He, he's number one. So, I mean, and then there you go. So, I mean, it's going to be even more and more for him to try to climb out. If he could be a year two zero for all we know at this rate. So, um, Mario Williams is still going to be around. Brandon Rice, I think, still has another year of eligibility. So, he'll still be around. Um, he could be a serious transfer candidate. I mean, most all these guys, honestly, on this list. Kyle Ford as well. Isn't Kyle Ford kind of having a resurgence as well there as well? As yeah, he had a big game. Dude, I got roasted by the guy backstage for not knowing who he was. I had to like, look him up and I'm like, oh, oh really? Yeah, like, yeah. Why no, was he were like A with like great style? Yeah, he was a fancy recruit at one time. Yeah, he definitely had some love out there and then kind of just did, did things and goes away for a while i think it got all over him, so yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. they're telling me he's always hurt but when i saw his like profiles of recruit i was like i would have been all over that yeah yeah exactly all right let's go on to our next guy here so cj williams zero let's talk about andre green dude there was uh some serious hype for andre green this all season mm-hmm. i was like in it too i had him this is my one real flop i remember i had him preseason wide receiver nine uh he saw like seven snaps week one and then like that's it like yeah, it. It, it, it was super weird. And this is not a this is not a situation where like he's been injured or like the guys in front of him are really that much better or anything like that. Like this guy probably should have had a chance to get on the field if he was if he was good at anything. And right now he might just be too far away or whatever, but he's just he's not getting on the field at all for a wide receiver core that could probably use somebody outside of downs to step up. They also just lost their other yes. Andre Green as well, right? Who just got injured. Ant- Antoine Green. Or Ant- yeah, Antoine Green, sorry. Yeah. He has not seen a snap since week five. <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's like, crazy it's, so, i mean that's a whole, lot in year one zero yeah and he was like i mean there was so much hype around him athletic and there's a guy i like a lot that i respect a lot of community calling him like the next george pickens and stuff like that it's just yeah this roster <laughs> had like nine receivers too like they only had nine receivers on the roster going into the season and he can't yeah. He can't touch the grass. Like, oh, man. And Josh Downs was injured too for like freaking three or four games there as well too. And he's got I a mean, Heisman quarterback. I mean, there was so much going for him here. Yeah. I mean, there really was. Like, there was yeah. a lot to like about him. Um, okay, anyway, poor one out for him. Let's go to one to uh, Caleb Brown. Uh, OSU recruit. I think that he wouldn't be top 20 if they could re-rank him. Uh, he was hurt in high school and he just never bounced back from that injury he was like i want to say he was like five foot ten 165 and he was like running yeah. like like something slow like 18 miles an hour like for that size and for that level of recruit you'd be running more like in the 2021s for that weight class and he just couldn't get back up to speed and i know the reports at osu from matt bruning was saying that he can't even put on weight uh, in the weight room so um the writing was on the wall before he even came to college but uh I'm not even sure if he's even touching the field, but that 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 was a guy that was a very clear sell before the season even started, and um, you can't you can't get anything for him. There's no way. Yeah, and he like shredded his knee in high school or something like that. Wasn't it a knee injury? Yeah, remember. it was something yeah. terrible. I can't remember, anyways. And yeah, obviously that that clearly just some guys just can't come back the way they can, especially in high school where you're not getting the treatment that you get in college or you get in the NFL. Like, yeah, guys can bounce back from injuries when they have that kind of those kind of sort resources available to them at that level. But I mean, in high school, who knows what kind of recovery he even had and if he's got lingering effects from that. So this might just be a year one zero. This might be a career zero at this point. 
Uh, actually, he's put on weight. I'm sorry, I'm looking him up right now. He's almost got 200 pounds of weight. So I don't. I guess the early reports were like, OSU. Um, everybody comes in as a freshman, and then all of a sudden they've put on 10 pounds. That's another thing I was talking about with you when we were talking about Devin Brown, the freshman quarterback there a while ago, that he was sub yeah. 200, and all of a sudden he's 210. It's like I don't know if I believe that especially, but I mean whatever. Well, I guess I guess we'll see when the time comes. But it's nice to see them listed that way, anyways. But hey, if he's put on some weight, I mean that's good for him. So. All right, number the next one. Oh, we're we're both here locked in a minute zero, right? He's got yeah, one oh, yeah. for five oh, yards yeah. against Iowa, like five snaps. Okay, next one here is gonna be Keon Gray. This one hurts this one a little hurts. more too. Yeah, because I had him. <laughs> I had him. I, I think I had him at six. I want to say so. Him and Andre were my like two top yeah. ten. That I had him as a tier one guy. So this one, this one hurts me. Okay. I had him as a high tier two because uh, he was my wide receiver one for Ohio State. Who you? I mean, how can you not? pick your champion from Ohio state and rank him highly. I mean, they are yeah. just an absolute factory. They're just so reliable and making talent and making these route runners, but he's going to be a zero. Um, and just to, like putting this in context too, Jameson Williams, who couldn't get on the field there and had a transfer oh, to, by the way, hold on one second. We are talking about Keon Gray's. I don't think we ever actually said his name. Uh, we're oh, talking about Keon <laughs> Gray's wide receiver for yeah. OSU. Um, <laughs> Jameson Williams, who had a transfer out, he wasn't a, a year one zero. Like he actually got on the field and just couldn't get mm-hmm. more snaps there. Um, but, He's got four snaps, week three Toledo, week eight Iowa, uh, one catch for two yards. I mean, they're going to have four games left with, like, eligibility and conference championship. Um, but he's not getting on the field unless they, they get out of championship. Uh, you know, if they take a loss somewhere and then they're just going to put in their young guys. I mean, there's yeah. there's no reason for this guy to touch the field is what I'm trying to say. I mean, Emeka Buka and Marvin Harrison Jr., like, they're going to want to win. And they're sophomores. There's no, They don't have to sit out for the draft. You know, JSN might, but JSN's been hurt the whole time anyway, so. Yeah, he might already be on that path anyways. Hey, do you have the snap counts open for OSU right there in front of you? Not for OSU, just for that. Oh, uh, no. I wanted to know if Kojo has anything, and Tui as well. I just want to know if they are, are these freshmen getting on the field at all for OSU, but uh but yeah, I mean, it's been it's been upsetting to see these guys, if they to not see these guys at all really hitting the field for an offense that really is going to, allow these guys to grow in their roles if they get to that point but kojo's got two snaps against indiana which was last week and none of them have that and he's got snaps against iowa but again four snaps on the year yeah it's just nothing i mean they're going with uh there was even a guy i was talking with you about earlier in the in in the shit uh before the show started xavier johnson who's like this fifth year guy who they're using all over the field wide receiver running back uh wherever they want to use him cameron babb is getting a bunch of touches as well over these guys so they're really not looking towards these guys to do anything and it's upsetting but keon is probably going to stay at your one zero i don't see a reason how he's going to like you said unless all of a sudden they they're out of contention they want to start playing young guys but at this point every game matters and they're not going to be relying on a guy who hasn't played very much yeah and they have a great class coming in they have three guys in the top 50 um they i know personally yeah. <laughs> brandon ennis he's he's my uh recruit he's my wife's year one recruit I, I love him so uh he's he should he's gonna kill these guys anyway this whole this whole this whole class for osu is gonna be a wash and that just sucks um no, the next this ne- now this one here this is gonna be a real debate topic here we're gonna talk about adam randall who mm-hmm. I took him in the uh, mock draft episode last week. He was a year one zero, and I took him because I was like, well, he's already got like good targets. He had like two for 27, and I was like, he can probably continue this for the rest of the season. He saw no catches last week, and I feel bad for him because like he's on the field. Um, he saw a decrease in snaps, though, but he's on the field. He's getting targets here and there, but his QBs are terrible. His QBs are terrible. They're holding him back, and man, I just – I'm, I, he might be a zero. And then the next question you got to ask yourself, because we just talked about analytics might being a shift. Do we think he can beat the year one zero? Because do you guys have, like, do we believe that 
Adam Reno could be the third. Yeah, I do. I am on that train as well, because like I was even talking about in that analytics conversation as well, if I can put enough context to it, and I can with this guy, coming off an ACL, he came back so fast. Like we're talking about April, was on the field practicing in what, September? Like, build different, that, build different. Yeah, build different apparently, or or something else going on over there. I don't know what it is, but regardless of what's going on over there, uh, that's the context I can put to it. And I'm gonna I'm gonna chalk this year up still as like a red shirt medical season for him because I'm gonna picture it as still good. He's getting some experience out there. He's getting some experience playing uh, on the field, getting the snaps. Um, he's still not getting a lot. I think he only got like 10 snaps or eight snaps last week. So he's not getting a whole lot. They still two targets, though. two targets on those snaps. Yeah. So he is worried. They are working him in slowly. So either way, that's what I like to see, but still this guy is like, this, this guy has so much upside when you look at his profile, we talked about a little bit uh, last episode, so I don't want to go into it too much, but it's just, I, I love this guy. This guy was a tier one wide receiver for me. The ACL was absolutely brutal. I'm still hoping that there's some kind of way that he can, get a couple more snaps down the stretch here and maybe break that year one zero if he can get in the end zone or whatever. But um, it is unfortunate. But even if he ends up year one zero, I'm not going to be out on him. This is a guy that I'll put some context behind. The only player to beat it because of injury is DK Metcalf. So this is the level of yeah. prospect that Corey believes this guy is. Yeah. I, for for now, hopefully this one doesn't blow up in my face, but I'm gonna <laughs> uh, I'm gonna put I'm putting I'll put my snap there. Yeah, I like him. I will not put that on your shoulders because I actually believe yeah. he, I, I I could be in on this too. I'd be looking yeah. to buy low if I could. Uh, the next I mean, one, yeah, here, you drafted him first I, last week. So. I did. I did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this next guy here is gonna be Tobias Merriweather. I think I was higher on him than the uh, industry here. I think he was a back in the tier three for freshman for uh, our company here. Tobias Merriweather, six foot four, two hundred. I think he runs like a twenty one point two miles per hour, which is very fast for that height. Um, one catch for forty one yards and a touchdown, and this is like middle of the season, and I'm like, oh yeah it's the sky's the limit from here. Like he should be able to beat it. He has not seen any like action at all from that one bomb of a touchdown. <laughs> so it's like, I mean, like, I don't know. And obviously it's Drew Pine throwing. It's, it's, it's not like he, he's got quarterback play holding him back too, but um, Tobias Merriweather, man, I, I, I took him, I took him in a lot of places. It's just, yeah. it's just not going to happen. He's got one target the last three games and, one target each game, but he's not really these catches in. And... No, it does. It does seem like for some reason since week six, he's been more active, like at least as a reserve guy, like just looking at the box score here or whatever. But yeah, like you said, he's only got the one catch for 41 yards, um, 33 snaps on the season on offense. So um, it's tough to say like Notre Dame, I don't think is going to be pushing too hard near the end of the year. So I wonder if maybe like we're seeing here, starting in week six, he's starting to get more of these snaps. Maybe they start turning to some younger guys and seeing what they have. Is it a possibility that he could break that year one? Maybe. They don't have much else going on there, especially for guys on the outside uh, like Tobias could be. Um, so it, it's possible. I, I'm, I'm not going to write it off completely yet, but it's it's not looking good at least. All right, let's go on to uh, one more guy here. Oh, two more. Uh, Talon Shetron. Uh Another another big favorite here for C to C actually. Um, OSU, we thought he'd be a boundary guy there. We weren't really impressing the talent that was currently there. Like Jaden Bray's there, and we thought Jaden Bray was kind of decent. Jaden Bray's not even getting snaps. And then we have this three-star freshman from out of nowhere. I think he's like wide receiver 120 or something like that. Stefan Johnson, who's getting snaps over uh Talon Shetron. And so, man, I mean, I think this guy's a lock to be zero. I really do. I thought he could beat it there for a little bit because he's getting some snaps, but just like Adam Randall. His snaps aren't increasing, but unlike Adam Randall, he is not getting the targets. 
Yeah, I mean, this was a guy that I was a little bit lower on than the, the group. Um, just didn't blow me away on the tape like a lot of the other guys have. So um, I guess I'm a little bit less surprised with this one. But yeah, it, it, it's hard. It's been hard to decipher that Oklahoma State wide receiver core like all year wrong. It, it was like Braden Johnson earlier, and then we all thought it was going to be Jaden Bray in the beginning, and then um, what's his name, slot guy there has gotten a couple more grabs. Presley, yeah, Presley's picking up the pace. So and then them as a team also has gone kind of gone downhill down the stretch as well. So maybe they also start turning towards some young guys. Like who knows. Um, I know there are other like Austin and, and Colin. I remember listening to on their podcast. They definitely believe that he can still break that year one zero. So um, it's a possibility, but uh, hopefully those snaps start leading to targets pretty soon. Yeah. So bowl game and then two more, two more games of regular season too. So that's, he's got, he's got more than two games. He's got like three. Yeah. Uh, last guy here from the top 20, Brendan Thompson, uh, Texas wide receiver. I remember flipping on one game of his and I think I took five minutes to be like, he ain't it. <laughs> uh, so i don't know what to say about this guy i was never in on him the all-season hype was around uh savion red uh who was a 19 year old coming out and 19 year old is almost a death sentence for uh recruits they just don't ever work out mm-hmm. um obviously with this covid year it might change but uh i definitely know that that's a well-known fact uh in the recruiting world and even though it's a well-known fact, people liked Savion Red so much that they thought he could break the mold. Um, I think he's got like two catches for 20 yards, so I think he actually got on the field last week. But uh, besides that, uh, anyway, back to Brandon Thomas, though. I don't care about him, so year 1-0, <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, 5'11", 162 is already a pretty big uh, red flag on his on his uh, profile already. Uh, Savion Red, the thing, yeah, Savion Red, the thing with him as well was uh, it was all the hype in the offseason. Like he was getting it coming out of there. Like all the beat reporters and stuff were saying a lot about him. So um, I think a lot in the beginning too, with especially in C2C, is we kind of grab on to these stories in the beginning because that's all we have to work off of, right? You know, like guys like Sam Jackson at TCU, the quarterback there as well, was getting like so much hype. Guys like Skyler yeah, you got to be between the know? lines, man. I hate yeah, that. That's true. Yeah, it's uh, the NFL lies to you about news. Everyone wants to hype like Isaiah Pacheco and all these random guys are hyping them up and yeah, hey got, pacheco got 70 percent of the carries last week man i'm gonna start because yeah, ceh is so small but anyway whatever <laughs> so, um it's such a mistake okay anyway anyway yeah, yeah. it's just the coach speak uh is also in the college world <laughs> yeah so but but anyways with you on brandon thompson not even concerned with him even if he was in a year one zero to be honest at that size i'm like already checked out so i'm not even sure he was in the freshman guy i don't remember him being. no there. i don't think he would use anything so his recruitment ranking is doing a lot for him to be in this list right <laughs> yeah all right going on to our next topic here i wanted to ask Corey, what was his favorite three-star true freshman here three stars now might not have a heightened uh, level of getting uh, drafted, but there's definitely been uh, successes. I mean, just this last year, uh, Chris Olave was a high-end three-star, um, and Kenneth Walker was like RB120. Like, he was a low three-star that went to Wake and had a transfer over. So, I mean, and I, I know Michael Thomas was a three-star. Anyway, three-stars do make the NFL, and they do have success. It's not unheard of. It's not too co- uncommon. So I wanted to ask, Corey, what is your favorite three-star in this class? Yeah, Mike was nice enough to give me the first uh, the first pick here because this one's relatively easy here. You know, this is a guy that Alfred is big on. He does his his three star guys that he tries to profile every year. This is one of his top hits, and that's uh, Oregon State running back Damian Martinez. You know, I'm just gonna be quick about this one because we did go over him last episode as well. So if you want to go more in on him, you can check that episode as well or some of the other great content over at CDC. But great size, speed guy, six foot, two hundred and sixteen pounds. Uh, has been clocked over twenty miles per hour uh, by our team here at Campus to Canton as well. Um, 
hasn't been a complete zero in the passing game either with four catches on the year has really take over, taken over the lead role over the last four games. Uh, he's gone over a hundred yards in every outing. He's got three touchdowns uh, over that span as well. Powerful one cut runner who's kind of taken over the job. Like most of us have, has expected him to do and the, tra- the trajectory for him should only continue to go up from here. Yeah, this was, uh, as soon as I saw him write this on the sheet, I was like, damn, that's the right answer. That is 100% <laughs> the right answer. Um, I had to list off names here to get my like thoughts together. I just want to li- tell you guys who, like, who I was considering here. Uh, for, for wide receiver, Camden Brown from Auburn. Mm-hmm. Stephen Johnson, who I just mentioned for OSU. Amari Evans, who we mentioned for Penn State earlier. Uh, Squirrel White from Tennessee, who we actually haven't talked about on the show. Interesting guy, though. About. Yeah, he, he is. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to go down uh, his, his profile eventually. Chris Bell, who a uh, big wide receiver guy, I was a big fan of. He's getting on the field now. He's a size, speed freak. He's like six foot two, two twenty, uh, for Louisville. He's getting on the field. He is cutting in close to year one zero mark. And then Jordan Tyson, who we, we've talked about a few shows ago too. Like these are guys I was considering. And and if you if you had to maybe pick out this wide receiver core that I just listed off, I'd actually pick Camden Brown. And it's only because he's got the SEC tag. He's he's mm-hmm. belongs to Auburn. He's probably the wide receiver one there uh next year because they're only bringing they're not bringing any high level recruits they so unless they bring in a high level transfer which they are not a hot destination to go to camden brown should be in my opinion the future of that wide receiver core but uh the other correct answer here is going to be cartavius norton the iowa state running back uh we talked about him we talked about his raw stats were like not looking good for his first two starts. It looked like he was kind of like, if he looked on paper, he looked like he was running scared, low yards for contact, low yards per carry, like no missed tackles force on paper. It just looked like he just lowered his head and just ran a straight line. And, and like, that was it. Um, so I really haven't honestly watched him play. So I can't, I can't give you a real analysis, but his yards per carry are still low. <laughs> I just thought it was interesting <laughs> to mention this, this last week, uh, 17 rush uh, attempts for 49 yards. But he had nine missed tackles forced. <laughs> so yeah, it's like a double his like season total. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that's interesting. Game. He's also got one game with seven targets too. So anyway, uh, these are the clear cut, I think, right answers for the the top two, three star recruits. They're both running backs. Iowa State obviously has manufactured uh, Brees Hall and David Montgomery. Maybe it's Cartavis Norton next. So all right, let's go on to our next one here. I uh, I asked here. Corey, what is your favorite sleeper in the 23 draft? Now, I told him to reach for someone outside of his top 15 at the given position. I don't want to hear a name that was already talked about. Give me something fresh, something a little spicy. Yeah, so there was a couple guys here that I was thinking of. I even bounced them off you at first to make sure that they were off the radar enough. Um, <laughs> uh, some of those names, I'll just mention them quickly. I was thinking about Ronnie Bell over at Michigan, guy who's had a nice season for them as well. Um, kind of explosive, all do it all guy. Another guy that I didn't mention too over at Michigan as well is Roman Wilson. Hasn't gotten the volume that we all we've always wanted, but definitely a very intriguing athlete. If you look at his profile, as a four three guy, um, big play guy. Um, definitely someone that I'm also interested in. Um, I also was thinking about, oh, I can't remember the third guy's name now. See, this is what happens when you just run stuff off the top of your head and you don't freaking write notes. Um, but anyways, I'm just going to go straight to my fourth guy. And that's the guy I landed on was Elijah Badger, which was the wide receiver over at Arizona state. Um, this guy was a high four star athlete in the 2020 class, really didn't get much going on early in his career. He kind of suffered through some injuries and some poor quarterback play over there as well. But, uh, mm-hmm. he's been, he's been kind of enjoying a little bit of a breakout year here in 22. Um, 
58 catches for 758 yards and six touchdowns on the year. Um, five of those touchdowns have actually come in the last five games where he's also been averaging about 90 yards per game. So his usage has really been in, uh, increasing now. Um, they recently got off of Emory Jones and went to, I can't remember the guy's name, Burgent or, or some something else, a senior quarterback there who's providing a little bit more of a spark in the passing game. He's kind of benefiting from it as well. Also a very versatile guy. Um, some of the usage in the past, he had two rushing touchdowns last year, which is kind of nice to see. Had some minor usage this year. I think he's had like two carries in that sense. Nothing to really write home about, but it's nice to see that it's in his arsenal as well. This guy's 6'2", 190 pounds, um, some great ball skills, uh, the athleticism to boot as well. To me, he kind of gave me like like Brandon Ayuk vibes, and hopefully I'm not just helmet scouting there because of like the whole connection there, you know what I mean? And I, I honestly just think he's kind of like one hell of a player. Um, could see him kind of having a similar role uh, like an Ayuk on the next level, but yeah, uh, that's my 2023 the sleeper is uh, Mr. Elijah Badger from uh, Arizona State. Yeah, I he caught my eye a few weeks ago. I definitely, I definitely look glance in his direction here. Uh, my guy here, I'm cheating a little bit. I picked the Princeton wide receiver. I'm gonna mess this up. Andre Iovas. <laughs> Yovas, I'm pretty sure it's Yovas. Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> yeah, but I watched like his tapes. So I've heard the announcer say his name twice. Anyway, uh, Princeton wide receiver here. He's got great hands. Uh, he's got. I, saw, I actually one of the games I watched was like an egregious drop. But like, and I looked at the stats, and it was like his one drop on the year. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna go figure. So I watched that. Um, he's an athlete. If you look over his actual raw stats, his verified metrics here, he is actually comped athletically to Quentin Johnston. Um, he's six foot three, two hundred. He is. Not the athlete Quentin Johnson is on the field. I didn't, I don't really get that when I look at him. Um, but the fact that he has those verified metrics, he already has the senior bowl invite. He was a part of the first 20 invited, uh, which means that people from the national scouting are already asking about it, looking at him. Uh, the senior bowl's thing is that they say that everyone they bring in is given a, a fifth round draft grade or higher. So at least a handful of people out there believe he is a early day three guy. Um, and now he's going to be put on a stage in front of all the executives in the NFL. So he's going to be able to prove it. So I'm in on Andre. Uh, I think he has great receiver play. You know, he's got good hands. He's got good ball tracking, good body control. Um, makes good adjustments to the ball. Uh, the ball definitely gets thrown behind him quite a bit. That's what I saw on his tape. Um, and then he's got good verified uh, met, like metrics, like physical metrics and stuff like that. So he's not a technician is what I'm trying to say. He's not a route runner. He, he won't be making defenders fl- actually i watched him make one defender flip his hits and it, and it looked like i was watching something in slow motion like it was like, <laughs> like he didn't sell it but the guy did it anyway yeah. and then like the guy was like so lazy to get back on track it was ridiculous but anyway uh, he's not a technician so um on paper man he's a, he's a he's a sleeper that you could fall in love with you know um so I, I think he might be a real riser at the senior bowl so i'm just keep an eye out for that, that that's that's my sleeper it's the Princeton wide receiver going to the senior bowl. Yeah, clearly they see something in him. I mean, they invited him over my boy, Zay Flowers, so I don't know what the hell is going on there, man. I don't have to write an angry letter or something. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that maybe next episode. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, this is this is an interesting call. This isn't somebody that I have any idea about. I haven't watched him at all. I haven't seen anything mm-hmm. at all. Obviously, there, we don't spend much time watching uh, uh, those conferences as well. So, I mean, um, we'll have to. I'll have to take a look and see if there's anything there that I kind of like as well. But, uh, yeah, interesting call by you, and uh, you definitely spent some time going down the rabbit hole there <laughs> i did yeah so i'm watching them play against harvard and i was like jesus 
I'm, I'm watching my future employers play out there. <laughs> yeah, you future accountants, man. Yeah. Uh, so uh, going on to our, our last section here, a very last section for the night here. We're going super deep. Uh, I feel like most of these players we're talking about, guys, are not real Debbie assets. And I, I, this is a Debbie show, but we just don't want to talk about Bijan every single week. We don't want to talk about Keishan Boutte every single week. We're just trying to give names for you guys. You guys can make your own informed opinions, some deep names here. Uh, now, I say this because I'm going real, real deep here. I'm going to talk some late bloomers. I'm going with super random true freshmen that are getting an increase in snaps the last few weeks and just kind of highlighting them. Um, I'm just going to go with my first three in a row, and I'll get the Corys here. I'm going to go with Layton, Layton Smitherson from Wazoo, which is Washington State. He's six foot one, 180. He is a safety converted wide receiver, just like who, Corey? Safety converted wide receiver? I don't know who that is. Jordan no. Addison. Oh, okay. So he sucks. Yes. Yep. He does suck. I'll tell you. Yes. That. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> no, not Addison here, but this guy. Uh, so anyway, so he started becoming a starter since week seven. He's seen 22 targets in four weeks. He's reeled in 15 of those for 120 yards and one touchdown. Uh, I was excited to flip on the tape. And I'm going to tell you what, uh, I was pretty uninspired. A lot of these balls were close to the line. And even, even that he had like three drops in like the last two weeks. It's been pretty amazing. So I didn't really think he offered much in yak. He was just kind of a catch and fall down guy. Uh, Cam Ward seems to just, the whole offensive system just seems to, they just want to throw it short. Um, and there's just no one there with like real athletic ability to carry the ball farther than, than after that. So um, Washington state is starting to feel like Mississippi state where we're, where we're, where we're, <laughs> remix where we are <laughs> uh chasing the wide receiver one for that offense and there's just never gonna be one so anyway going on did you, did you check out Layton smitherson by any chance you watching that i didn't know i mean when i was looking for guys okay. in this in this list as well i did notice that his snaps had increased quite a bit within like the last like four weeks or something like that yeah. so he's definitely he's definitely getting a little bit more playing time out there all right, don't waste your time. Don't waste your time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the next one here, man, and I was live tweeting while I was watching this. This was so bad. Justice Ross Simmons. Now, I was keeping my eye on Colorado State in the offseason. <clears throat> we were hyping up Clay Millen and the system that came over from Nevada, thinking it's going to be a high-volume system. And I wanted to get some freshman action in on that. You know what I'm saying? Because Clay Millen was a redshirt freshman. Um yeah, and, and there was hype around Justin Ross in the offseason. I was, look, I was looking for Mecca Fox, who was the better recruit. But Justice Ross Simmons is wide receiver 194. He's six foot two, 215. He had only two offers, one from Nevada and one from Colorado. So the same coaching staff, just two different schools. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so only anyway. one offer. So, yeah. Yeah, so he, uh, he went to Colorado. Um, and he's seen a really decent snap count since week three, but it looks like his usage has changed since week eight. Now, since week eight, he's gotten 20 targets and he's reeled in 12 of those for 271 yards and one touchdown. He's been like, Putting up some nice numbers, like honestly, like I think it's like 70 plus each game, but like nothing really huge or dynamic. Um, his yak is like over 10 yards per reception during this span. His A dot is also, I want to say, like in the 15, so it's not close to the line of scrimmage. Well, I was complaining about this, this, uh, this last guy, Smitherson, and his yards per route one run is 1.95 the last four weeks, so almost two yards per route run. So, anyway, box score scouting, I was very excited to turn on this tape and watch this guy flipped on my first Colorado State game of the year. Dude, that shit, that shit wasn't football. I don't know what I was watching, but that was just not football. Mountain West action, man. I mean, there's, I really want to, I want to look up the metric. I, I hope there's, 
I just want to know how many times Colorado State's uh, center got pancaked. I mean, this guy, he's got to be hitting records. I mean, that, <laughs> that O-line just disintegrates like fashion and water and paper. Like it's, yeah. it was just amazing to me. Um, but uh, just another bit of tape that I'm just really uninspired by. Uh, again, he's not like I was looking for, he lined up on the outside uh, for his, he has a 75 yard touchdown and he lined up on the outside and I watched him like lazily do a jazz step outside it wasn't believable at all. It wasn't fast. It wasn't quick. And the defender still flipped his hips, went that direction. Dude cuts it inside. He doesn't go any faster than he's already going, which is not impressively. Like he's um, got to be like a four, seven speed, like just no way going, going inside. And like the defender can't catch up. There's no safety over top. And it's just weird, man. I just was like, this, this is not what I thought I was going to see when I saw all these numbers. So no, I'm excited to see him play for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers when he finally gets into the <laughs> CFL in a couple of years. <laughs> oh man! So I, I so I bit my tongue and I watched I watched like 35 minutes of Colorado State last night and I just could not. I'll never do that ever again. So yeah. <laughs> uh, going to my last guy, who I am actually excited about. I'm ending on a good note here. Uh, Three star wide receiver, 69. Corey, in America, we say nice after someone says 69. Nice. Sorry, man. I was – okay, nice. Nice. Right. Sorry, I was, I was doing like something. It's like you hate – it's like you hate NAFTA, bro. So, <laughs> six foot three, one ninety. He's got seven targets the last two weeks. Um, and I think I think the whole Florida offense has just looked better the last two weeks since they've played uh, Texas A&M and uh, – the juggernaut of Texas A&M and um, South Carolina. So, anyway, seven targets, six for 78 and one. He's got 29 snaps last game. He's also running about two yards per reception the last two weeks. So uh, I don't know exactly what type of player he is. I did watch this tape. It wasn't It wasn't like I could see enough of him to make a real good judgment call on him. But it's Florida. It's an SEC team. Uh, their, their wide receiver core has been unimpressive. So anytime there's a guy that I think might be emerging, I think that's got to be someone interesting. It's still Zay, Zay, Zay Henderson. It's got to be the wide receiver one there. But uh, Caleb Johnson, three-star. Actually, he's, he's a low-end four-star. I'm so sorry. Very low-end four-star. Uh, Caleb Caleb Douglas. I say Caleb Johnson. Caleb Douglas from Florida. That's my last guy. Super deep. Super deep. Yeah. Thank you, Mike, for um, listing off those three future uh, real estate agents. Um, <laughs> uh, but like Mike says here, we're just looking for uh, some really young guys here who are getting at least an increase in snaps, seeing the field. This is how you find guys that could potentially break out. This is how you put guys on your radar just to make sure you're watching to get in early before anybody else gets in, right? So even if they don't sound super inspiring, the fact is they're getting on the field as true freshmen. We have to make sure that we we keep them in our eyesight. So um, I just got two guys here for you. Um, he actually got he actually talked about uh, some of the guys. I was actually looking at Caleb Douglas as well. Uh, Camden Brown, another guy he was talking about a little bit earlier, was a guy that I was also thinking about mentioning. Um, but I'm going to head over to Virginia here and talk about a wide receiver who's seen a little bit of an increase in snaps in the last two weeks. And this is another big boy uh, by the name of Sean Wilson um, over at Virginia. He stands at 6'4", 219 pounds, so I know you're going to like him. Uh, <laughs> he was only a three-star guy, but it had offers from Arizona State, Kentucky, Miami, Oregon, and Tennessee. So it had a lot of interest for for uh, for that level of recruitment. Um, didn't see a ton of t- a ton of time early on, um, but has seen uh, has averaged forty snaps over the last two weeks and has seen sixteen targets in that time. Um, he's caught eight only eight of them, so that's kind of uh, unfortunately fifty percent there, but uh, for eighty-six yards. But it's the playing time we want to see as well. I know they also have some health issues there as well. Uh, Dontavian Wicks might already be looking for towards a senior bowl as well so uh i don't even know how how much effort he's going to put into getting back um 
he's actually had the fifth most snaps of this wide receiver class over the past two weeks uh, and has had the 10th most receiving yards in that time, which is not saying much, only 86 yards. But that just goes to show the level of impact that th- this freshman class is really putting out there as well. But um, So he's definitely doing some things that's going to throw him out on the radar. It means to kind of be seen, you know, how much he continues to play if Wicks comes back or, you know, uh, if other guys kind of step up as well. But his performance is, is kind of noteworthy to this point, and it's worthy to get a little bit of attention there. Um, so that's one of my guys, Sean Wilson, wide receiver over at Virginia. And this, my next guy, now I'm kind of surprised that you didn't put him on the sheet anywhere being the Miami guy that you are. Um, this one it deserves to be talked about a little bit. I'm going to talk about Ja'Curry Brown. Um, he's a quarterback over at Miami, true freshman over there. Um, he got his first start last week for Miami. Um, and honestly, kind of looked fantastic. 20, um, 20 attempts for 14 completions, a nice 70% completion percentage, and to go along with three touchdowns through the year. Now, that stat line doesn't look like much as well. Miami was very in control of this game, um, but he did spread the ball around as well, completed a pass to six different receivers. I think his touchdowns are all to different guys as well. Um, but the other thing he had was a third on the ground. Uh added 87 more yards on 19 attempts with seven missed force tackles as well. I think three of those attempts were also kneel downs. If I am correct, can't remember specifically. So it might actually be 16 on 87 yards, uh, which is, which is looking a lot better. Um, now this is a four-star guy. Uh, not a guy that got a, a lot of fanfare during the offseason as a freshman quarterback. There was a few out there um, that were, were a little bit higher on him. He was a guy that I had maybe on my watch list, not somebody that was super high on as well. Quarterback evaluation is very hard to do. Um, but this is a guy who, four-star guy, standing at 6'4", 210 pounds. Um, 247 Sports actually comped him to Hendon Hooker, which I can kind of see a little bit of. He's got a 4'6", verified 40-yard dash. Um, very powerful rusher. A big arm who probably needs to refine a bit as a passer as well. But it's the it's the tool set to be excited about. It's the same thing with Hooker as well. He's not really an overly refined passer, but he's got a lot of interesting tools. Um, it's just hard not to be pleased with the first action that we see from this guy. So this is a guy that you guys got to put on your, your sheets. Um, I don't know how long Tyler Van Dyke is going to be out. Um, I don't know if he's still injured, if he's practicing at all or whatever, but the, the fact that this guy did this already in his first start is definitely noteworthy. Yeah, Van Dyke's going to go to FAU. Don't even worry about it. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's going to be starting for your favorite G5 team next year. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, I thought about adding him. I just I saw the passing numbers. It's like what? Like it's like less than 200 yards. Oh, yeah, yeah. Time. Like, he, yeah, I mean, they were in control of the game most of the time. And right? I'm, but, my main concern is my, our boy uh, Colby Young. I'm like, yeah, how's Colby Young going to show out? On hey, this? he caught a touchdown. He did. Yeah, his, right, yeah. Dude, he's still hitting a 29% dominator, which is like yeah. sad because like he's got like 40 and 19 yards receiving, but that's like. 30% of the receiving yards yeah, the last two I mean, weeks. And, and that's with so. three different quarterbacks. So at least he's gaining the looks. You know what I mean? That's that's the one thing we can kind of hang yeah. our head on. But I mean, it might it, 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 he might not see the breakout we were kind of hoping when Jake Garcia kind of got in there. Um, and it's it's looking like Brown won't be recruited over because Jaden Rashad just flipped to uh, Florida. Yeah. He, he supposedly well. had like a like an NIL deal with Miami. So I wonder how much money Florida offered over him. That's, that's just, I mean, across the pond, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, yeah. That's savage. Uh, like he posed in front of a Lamborghini. I'm like, dude, the floor just give him a Lambo to come on. Over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I probably picked him up and it was just like, hey, get in. Just it's changing. It's, it's changing the landscape, man. Flipping for money now. That's really what it is. Yeah. All right, guys, that's going to wrap up our show for tonight. Just make sure you guys are checking out the rest of the uh, podcast feed. And apologies to Colin. We're so sorry. We ran out of time tonight. I'm Mike. You can find me at Twitter at FF underscore Dirty Mike. You can find co-host Corey here at FF underscore guitarist on Twitter. Uh, To everyone here, uh, good night and good luck.